Welcome everyone to another edition of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. I'm J.R. Judy, joined by Wade Skaggs. And Wade, hopefully it left the door unlocked because today we're going in your house. Woo! Actually, I locked it because I didn't want Bob back on getting into my house. Or Mad Mountain Rock. Yeah. Smoking guns, though, that could be a fun party. Oh, that would be a lot of fun. I left it wide open for them. <laughs> I don't know how to take that. I Okay, no, me either. <laughs> We hope you haven't turned off the podcast in the first minute. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Monday Night Warfare Podcast. We're glad you're here, whether audio or video form, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Anchor, or on YouTube. Nonetheless, like, follow, subscribe, and join along. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. This is the Monday Night Warfare Podcast, where every week we're breaking down WCW, the WWF, and the occasional ECW. We're watching a week-by-week breakdown of the Monday Night Wars, and we are ready for our first WWF pay-per-view of the official war in your house three this week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. It puts a loaded week, Wade. We're going to look at in your house from September 24th, the follow-up Raw from September the 25th. It's our first live episode of Raw, which is a crazy thing to think about now. And then we also have WCW Nitro from September the 25th, ECW Hardcore TV from September the 26th, and I'm going to break the rules. We're going to look a little bit at WCW Saturday night from September the 30th this week. It's a rather important, and it also personally just really amuses me episode of Saturday night. Um, When you looked at this list, and we already had Fall Brawl last week, was there anything you were looking forward to or, or dreading coming into this week? Let, well, he, let, okay. Let me let me say this to you, Jr. I was really. I'm trying not to let my hindsight color this. I was so looking forward to in your house. To well, I was really looking forward to the triple header match. Okay, I was really looking forward to it. I had no idea what was going to happen. I thought, man, this is going to be dope. I was looking forward to, as I said before, anything Razor Ramon does. Uh, you know, with hindsight. Maybe I shouldn't have been so excited, but we'll get there. We'll get there. So let's start out with In Your House 3. This is the third installment of In Your House. For those of you who kind of don't know what an In Your House is outside of an NXT special, In Your House was WWE's kind of experiment at running more pay-per-views. For a while, the WWF ran their big four pay-per-views. Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. In 93, they threw in the King of the Ring, and they were running five pay-per-views a year. WCW started to ramp up their pay-per-views, so the WWF said, well, you know what? Let's run some more pay-per-views. They tried these in-your-houses at a two-hour runtime instead of a three-hour runtime, also at a cheaper price point. Uh, The first in-your-house was in May of 95, and they gave away a freaking house. Like, an actual house. Do you know who won that house, by the way? Have you ever heard this story? I don't think so. It's like a 14-year-old kid who wins the house, and wow. they sell they sell it in like six months because there's wow. like a bunch of there's a bunch of tax issues. So they made 175 thousand dollars watching in your Jeez. house. Wow, that's <laughs> wild. But anyway, uh, in your house with a cheaper price point at pay per view, and eventually starting with in your house four, we get kind of like subtitles. So it's like in your house, Great White North, in your house, mm-hmm. Rage in the Cage. Uh, Cold Day in Hell, Bad Blood, all the way up to like St. Valentine's Day Massacre. But those pay-per-views quickly become three-hour pay-per-views. And and I've heard Bruce Pritchard talk about this on his podcast. They were already paying for the building. They're already paying for the production. They were already paying for the staff. It doesn't cost them any extra to run the extra hour. And the hardcore fans that were going to buy the pay-per-view were still going to buy it. 
for the extra hour of content. So eventually in your house will become a three hour pay-per-view and then they'll get, get faded out for your backlash, your judgment day, your no way outs, uh, all the other kind of more traditional WWF pay-per-views. But we're still very much in the in-your-house era. Um, we get the classic set. We're in Saginaw, Michigan, the Saginaw Civic Center. I love the in-your-house set. Me too. It, I it love is, it. It's the front of a house. The entranceway mm-hmm. is a garage door. It is. It yep. is so mid '90s WWF. Oh yeah. We have five thousand one hundred and forty-six fans in the building. One hundred and seventy-five thousand pay-per-view buys. It's down from two hundred and five last month at SummerSlam. For a shorter pay-per-view and, and technically only one title match, it's not a bad number, I, I guess. I mean, because the card is is kind of up and down. Mm-hmm. So, so we start Mostly out. Down. Well, yeah, we'll, we'll get there. <laughs> uh, the, the In Your House is uh, kind of struggle. This this show especially is a tale of two halves. Very much so a tale of two halves. Mm-hmm. Um, so the show opens up. We get the hype package for the triple header main event. And I thought this was weird. We get the In Your House theme song, which just highlights from the first two In Your Houses. Yeah. <laughs> Like, half of these clips have nothing to do with what's happening tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, opening pyro, we go to the commentator's desk. Uh, we get the predictions. So, for the first time, we get to hear Jim Ross on commentary. So, I thought Ooh, that yeah. was a nice change. Uh, so, it's Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler, Jim Ross. Uh, King predicts Owen Hart becomes the Intercontinental Champion tonight by pinning Shawn Michaels. Jim Ross predicts Yokozuna wins the IC title. Sucks to be Shawn Michaels. Yeah. I mean... We're before the point where if we're in your hometown, you have to lose. So Diesel was yeah. safe, I think, at this point. So we kick it off our first matchup. Savio Vega defeats Waylon Mercy in 7.06 with uh, his spinning heel kick. There's two things I wrote down from this match, Wade. Uh, the first thing is Doc Hendrick interrupts the match and says yep. Owen Hart's not in the building. So mm-hmm. we're not sure how it's going to affect the main event. And... Waylon Mercy, the former Dan Spivey, almost murders Savio Vega with a brain buster. Yeah, so me and you are on the exact same page then, man. I uh, uh, I said that Waylon drops Savio Vega with the sheerest drop brain buster I have ever seen. I mean, this dude hit, like the top of his head freaking hit the mat, dude. I thought, okay, that's gotta be it, but no, it wasn't it. Yeah, Waylon Mercy um, kind of... Not exactly, but almost a precursor to what Bray Wyatt would be in, like, 2014, 2015. Kind of the swamp, backwoods, kind of oddball, I guess, is the best way to describe Waylon Mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the former Dan Spivey from WCW. with, uh, But this match just didn't work. <laughs> I, I don't even know what else to say. Yeah. I will say that Savio Vega was, was very popular with the fans, though, that's for sure. Yeah, Savio Vega um, had just officially made his debut at In Your House 1, saving Rage. So he's still kind of fresh in the minds of the fans, mm-hmm. gets, a, gets a win there. So we'll, we'll move on because there really isn't much to say about this match. No, there's not uh, really. A- after the match, Gorilla Monsoon's backstage talking to Jim Cornette. And Gorilla Monsoon says, the triple header match is happening no matter what. You better oh, find yeah. Owen Hart. So then we cut to highlights of Ted DiBiase getting slopped twice by Henry Godwin and Sid getting slopped on Superstars. Can you please just describe how you felt when you saw Sid freaking out backstage? Because I chuckled. Oh, I chuckled heartily, my friend. Heartily. I heartily chuckled. I think that Sid reaction is 
up there with the WCW Nitro we'll get to where Goldberg runs his car over with a <laughs> with a monster truck and yeah. he's just freaking out backstage. Mm-hmm. Goldberg! Goldberg! So we lead into Psycho Sid against Henry O'Godwin. Sid defeats Henry Godwin in 723 with the power bomb. Godwin's selling a back injury from getting the power bomb from Sid on Superstars. Towards the end of the match, Henry Godwin hits the slop drop. Ted DiBiase puts Sid's foot on the rope. DiBiase gets involved again. Sid hits a massive leg drop. Like, he got way up there. Uh, And then Sid power bombs for the win. Two two big guys get the win. But but I think the the bigger story is after the match. The big story. I tell you what, that's the only thing that was really remarkable about this whole thing. Let me say first about Henry Godwin, Okay. Let me let me ask you what is the deal with professional wrestling and farmer gimmicks. <laughs> okay? This like Henry Godwin is a farmer from Arkansas. He's a hog farmer. Okay. I mean it's Henry he, O. Godwin. Hog. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> wow. I didn't even okay. Wow. And his cousin hey, we haven't even met his his cousin, Phineas I. Godwin. <laughs> Anyway, go well, on. Either way. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> so, this dude's a hog farmer. You got uh, Big Dick Slater, who's a farmer. You got Farmer Brown. You got all these... What is it with pro wrestling and farmers, dude? I don't understand. Like, of all the professions... Like, you got wrestlers who are like, I don't know, cops or, you know, whatever it may be. Dentists. Why, why are there... Dentists? Absolutely <laughs> right. Multiple. <laughs> Why are there so many farmers, dude? Because oh there was a there was a sale on, re- on Wrangler jeans and overalls, and people I need guess, a gear. <laughs> sheesh, I guess so. I mean, it's it's the nineties, you know. So so anyway, I just thought it's so strange how many farmer gimmicks there have been in the history of wrestling. All right, they bring the slop in for the match, and they call it the Arkansas Goulash. And I'm like, bro, what does that even mean? I'll tell you what, another great thing about this match was it, it may be a historic match for a reason that you might not suspect, JR. This I think may, I know where you're going. This may have been the first ever instance of Jim Ross saying Slobberknocker on the air. And just the confusion on Jerry Lawler yep. when he says Slobberknocker. He said, like, it's what a did what? You say? <laughs> He said, and oh, now, like, it's that sl- Oklahoma jargon he just got again. Yeah, and a slobberknocker is such a common word now for wrestling fans. But, like, here, yeah. Henry Godwin and Sid, and th- this was the definition of a bowling shoe ugly slobberknocker. Mm-hmm. Uh, but so after the match, you were saying Bam Bam Bigelow is going to come out, the former right. Million Dollar Corporation. Yes. Oh, yeah. He's looking for revenge on Ted DiBiase, and it looks like, with Kama coming out, mm-hmm. it looks like DiBiase is going to slop Bam Bam Bigelow. Yep. But... Here comes Henry Godwin back to his feet, and he slops Ted DiBiase, yep. and Ted takes it like a champ. Yep, he absolutely does. So we go from a man getting slopped to with the Arkansas Jim, goulash, with the Arkansas goulash, to a man carrying a tennis racket and yelling somewhere. As Jim Cornette's back in the locker room area with Gorilla Monsoon, Gorilla Monsoon says Cornette can go find any partner he wants, and and Gorilla Monsoon will sanction that man as the co-holder of the tag team titles tonight. So now we have kind of a, a, a story to kind of weed throughout the night, yeah. as now Jim Cornette's got to go find him. But Jim Cornette's also the manager of Camp Cornette, and our next match is the British Bulldog of Camp Cornette 
against Bam Bam Bigelow, who we just saw five minutes ago, which was really stupid. I thought that they, they, they spaced these out really weird. Yeah. Bulldog comes to the ring without Jim Cornette because Jim Cornette's in the back talking to Sid, seeing if Sid will be a mm-hmm. partner. Decent back and forth match. Bam Bam misses the moonsault. Bulldog hits a diving headbutt, hits the big power slam. Bulldog wins at 12 minutes even. It's kind of there. Yeah. I had the same thoughts. <laughs> like, I like Bam Bam Bigelow. He's one of my favorite big super heavyweights. Mm. He always looked cool. Yeah. He was super agile, but mm-hmm. like, this match was just kind of there. Like, Bam Bam's clearly feuding with the Million Dollar Corporation. Yeah. Not Kent Cornette. Mm-hmm. One, thing, so. one thing also to notice about this is something that was the most striking to me was during this match, they're talking about how the British Bulldog is going to face The Undertaker tomorrow night on Raw. So it's like what they do sometimes is have pay-per-view matches and stuff that build towards a Raw instead of the other way around. And that still happens sometimes now. Um, so that was very weird. That like, like, why not have Bulldog versus Undertaker on a pay-per-view? That's a huge pay-per-view match. Instead, you haven't faced in Bam Bam for whatever reason. And they're in that match, they're talking about Bulldog facing Undertaker tomorrow on Raw. Why not have it on the pay-per-view? Yeah. No, I agree. And, and there was no Undertaker interaction right. to... Like, with the Undertaker's gimmick, you can even just turn the lights off or, or hit the gong. Yep. But... Nonetheless, Bulldog gets the win. Uh, we go to a commercial for WrestleMania, the special again. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to replay WrestleMania 11. And then Bob Backlund comes out. Bob Backlund's currently running for the President of the United States. That is a... Like, who could ever use a gimmick where they're a candidate for political office? Oh, man. What a, what a weird gimmick, man. Hello. It's me, James Roenick, candidate for the Office of Champion. I'm James Roenick, candidate for the Office of Champion. And I approve this message. How that gimmick will probably never get over. No, never. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. B- buy James Roenick merchandise. <laughs> anyway, uh, Bob Backwood comes out, kind of runs down the crowd, says, Your acute limitations become chronic limitations and you become stagnant. Good words, Bob Backlund. Yeah, I mean, he should have good words. The man walked down to the ring holding a dictionary. He's got a dictionary in his hand. <laughs> That's probably his pillow. He's a lunatic. You're right. He is a lunatic. He called the he called the crowd plebeians. <laughs> Bob Backlund's like, promos are just so bro, off the wall. He's but they're else, inter- man. they're entertaining off the wall. Like Hogan's off the wall promos are just chaotic. Like yeah. Backlund's are just like this guy's a lunatic. Yep. Um, he introduces the administrator from the University of Knowledge, Dean Douglas. I thought it was weird that Dean Douglas introduces Razor. Yeah, like, I said the same thing. And not only introduces it, but he was like super upbeat, like my opponent's Razor Ramon. I'm like, mm-hmm. what? So yeah, I, I was very taken aback by that. And to begin with, I didn't know that D, that Bob Backlund. Now, see, what's great about this is, or, or maybe a drawback to this is, we have inserted ourselves into a moment in time here. Uh, so I had no idea that Bob Backlund and Dean Douglas had this kind of like alliance. And so you may have known, I don't know. So when Bob Backlund came out, I thought he was going to wrestle and he uh, introduced Dean Douglas. And that was very surprising to me because I didn't know that they had that alliance going on. It, it's interesting that you say 
kind of the disadvantage we're at for kind of dropping ourselves in the middle because that will play a factor in one of the other shows of just mm-hmm. not knowing what the heck's going on. Yep. But I think that's I think that's also another advantage to doing it the way we're doing it because yep. especially in 97 and 98, 99 when wrestling gets really hot you're going to have new people who are going to jump on the wrestling bandwagon and they're not going to know everything that goes on. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a cool thing. I think it's also part where you get the, you have, it's kind of twofold where you want the wrestling fans to talk to other wrestling fans. Like, Oh yeah. Bob Backlund's with Dean Douglas because X, Y, and Z. But also like, I think the commentators need to do a, a better job kind of filling in those backstory gaps because mm-hmm. you are trying to build your audience, and you want to make it an easy-to-understand story. Yep. Speaking of an easy-to-understand story, Razor Ramon dominates this match for a large part of it. Like, he gets all of his big stuff in. Uh, during the match, Jim Cornette is backstage with Yoko Zuna talking to King Mabel. Ooh, man. That what a, would... What a team. They'd break the ring. Now, yeah. I, I... Spoiler... They're coming in and reinforce the ring again, remember? <laughs> Spoiler, King Mabel's not the partner, but I was kind of hoping he would be the partner just because I wanted to see if they would also carry Yokozuna to the ring. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> wow. Uh, anyway, towards the end of the matchup, Dean Douglas shoves Razor to the referee. Razor avoids a Dean Douglas spl- uh, splash, hits the Razor's edge. Referee, Here's where it got weird. Referee's down. One, two, three, kid comes out and counts the pinfall. Razor gets up, didn't see it was the kid, and when he does... Essentially just chucks him as far as he can out of the ring. Uh, D. Douglas rolls up Razor, grabs the trunks, and wins in 1453. Yep. Thoughts on your boy Razor? He is my boy. I tell you, I, you know, what's funny about this is you said Razor was dominant, but I think for a good portion of the match, I was surprised with how dominant Dean was because he was dominant for a portion of the match also where there was like a, a good period of time where Razor didn't get any offense in, and I was very surprised by that because Dean – like, look at Dean and look at Razor. Like, he doesn't look like the toughest dude there is. You know what I mean? Obviously, he's he's a talented dude in the ring, though. Uh, here here's the thing. Uh, one two three kid. I love him. He comes out there. This whole segment of this match just makes no sense to me. Like, if we if we even if we're uh in, can we say kayfabe? Let's just say it. What's the what's the thought process behind this? He goes in the ring. While Razor has Dean pinned, he counts one, two, three. Razor thinks he's won, but why does he do it? You know what I mean? Like, it makes no sense whatsoever to me why he would do something like this. What is his motive here? Well, and then, and then after the match, Razor's obviously upset. He pulls the kid in the ring and slaps him. And the yeah. kid, for like a hot second, looks shocked that Razor's pissed. I'm like, I know, yeah, I- that was what was weird to me. <laughs> I'm like, bro, what do you expect? You, you, Like, he's not a referee. Did he? Like, in his mind, he thinks he didn't do anything wrong. He's coming in there. He's acting like a referee. He doesn't have a referee shirt on. It's not like it's, you know, Gorilla, like some kind of executive that could make that decision. Like, what did he think was going to happen? He, the kid is acting like, pardon the pun, a kid. And it's a weird, it's, so, it's a weird, it's a weird story that will continue on. Um, the, the referees are pulling them apart and they're trying to fight. Mm-hmm. And we go to a commercial hyping up In Your House 4, the Great White North. It's going to be the first time they're in Canada for In Your House. Yes, they sir. announced The Undertaker against King Mabel. And I think more importantly, 
the in-ring debut of Gold Dust. Yes, sir. We're, we're finally to the point where we're going to see some Gold Dust in action. Uh, we go to Doc Hendricks. He's hyping up the Shawn Michaels sunglasses and hat for sale again. Did you order? Uh, no, the line was dead. Well, listen, if, if you would have gotten through, this time they're offering a free classic WWF VHS tape. That's right. I love how they never say what it is. So it's probably like whatever it's the like heck they're like Just like the black tape with no you know label on it. it. It's for sure like whatever they have the most of left at Titan Towers. Oh, yeah. Um, they interview Sean and Diesel. Sean's frustrated Owen's not there. And Diesel is saying something's up. And, but then Diesel quickly changes from like paranoia to, you know what? Doesn't matter who Cornette gets because the two dudes with attitudes are going to be the chaps with four straps. Yes, sir. He loves rhyming in 95. So we get a recap from Superstars where Jean-Pierre Lafitte steals Bret Hart's sunglasses from the kid. And when he steals the ring jacket uh, during Bret's match with Rad Radford, still no evidence of him stealing the Bret Hart head. I need to know if he stole the head. Mm-hmm. My brain cannot stop thinking about this weird visual of a pirate stealing a Canadian head. <laughs> <laughs> and when you put it like that, it's great. Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte. Bret Hart starts the match off with the most insane suicide dive I've ever seen. Let me tell you, it was insane, not even because of him, because of Jean-Pierre. He didn't catch him. Bret came in 175,000 miles an hour. Oh, yeah, he did. I I guess kilometers per hour. He's Canadian. Yeah. Jean-Pierre didn't (laughs) catch him. He, I mean, thank God he has the wherewithal to turn his body all the way around because he could have broken his neck. And the thing is, that's not the only terrifyingly vicious bump of this match. Like, Bret Hart takes that corner sternum bump twice. I uh-huh. hate watching it. It just yep. looks like death. He does it so well. Mm-hmm. Um, Pierre Lafitte goes for a somersault planche at one point, and Bret moves, and just the thud on the floor. Uh, this match is really, really competitive. It to the point where wild. Vin- yep. Yeah, Vince is calling Jean-Pierre the most underrated superstar in the WWF, and... There's evidence of this match. You can make an argument. Yeah. Uh, at the end of the match, they both kind of collide in the middle. They both crash to the canvas. Brett, from the canvas, applies the sharpshooter, rolls him over, gets the submission mm-hmm. win in 1637. This is the match I was kind of alluding to last week of, like, you won't think it's going to be that good, but yeah. this match steals the show. Yeah, uh, you're absolutely right. And to be honest, it's not a high bar to cross, but you're right. You know, one thing that was great, we kind of we didn't we went over this at the beginning, but Brett has an interview before the match with the uh, the commentators at the table, and in that interview he says Jean Pierre Lafitte will walk the plank. Brett Hart is so good about working terrible gimmicks into promos. Yep, you had this walk the plank. You had the with Isaac Yankum. He said, "I'm going to extract you from the World Wrestling Federation." You're right. It's great. Um, after the match, Brett Hart finally gets his jacket back. I think this match and the Hakushi match on In Your House 1 are two examples of why Bret Hart was just so freaking good. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he's in two lower card matches. He's not the he's not the feature bout. And he steals two different In Your Houses with matches with guys who shouldn't be in. Like, Hakushi and Jean-Pierre Lafitte are both good. Mm-hmm. But, like, they get elevated with a match with Bret Hart. Yep. Uh, we cut to the locker room. Camp Cornette has made their selection of who Yoko Zuna's partner will be. To the surprise of really no one, it's the British Bulldog, the mm-hmm. other member of Cape Cornette. 
Um, yep. So Gorilla Monsoon officially sanctioned to the British Bulldog. He is now one half of the WWF Tag Team Champions for tonight. We go to uh, Alundra Blaze coming out of the front door. Speaking of that, lay back up for a second. Bret Hart came out the front door of the stage, which is super cool and such a nice little unnecessary touch to that stage. Yep. Absolutely. But I hate... But I hate that Alundra also used the front door. Mm. <laughs> like, keep it special. Um, but anyway, Alundra Blaze is modeling the In Your House 3 t-shirt, uh, which they say is only available tonight. And, and it's available on Raw the next night. Um, go, go ahead. You, you, you seem a little frustrated right now. Frustrated is in the goddamn for it. This is bull. I am frustrated. <laughs> I am frustrated. Let me tell you, I mean, I shouldn't expect more from the 90s, but this is Alundra Blaze we're talking about. She's a great wrestler. She was your champion a month ago, and now you're having her model a t-shirt for a match that didn't even take place as advertised? Yeah, You got Owen's they... Hart, Owen Hart's face on the t-shirt, bro. You know, like, you mentioned that. Why didn't Bertha Faye model the t-shirt? She's the champion. That's a good question. <laughs> no, that's even worse because she's the champion. What I'm saying is, you've got a great wrestler here, and instead of her having a match on a pay-per-view where you had time for it, let's be honest, you got her modeling a t-shirt for a man's match that, as I said, has Owen Hart's face on it, and he didn't even end up taking place in that match. What's going on here, JR? I hate this. I mean, at least you get a classic VHS tape with it. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, we we go to the not anymore as advertised tag team main event. It's the triple header match. WWF Intercontinental and World Tag Team titles are on the line. Whoever gets pinned in the match loses their title. It is the WWF Champion Diesel and the Intercontinental Champion Shawn Michaels. They're well, they're challenging the for the night WWF Tag Team Champions, the British Bulldog and Yokozuna. Um, I. <laughs> I'm just going to let you go because I know how mad you are about this. The match goes 15-42. I'm honestly surprised it was that long, to be honest. Uh, yeah, you're right. I'm upset. Uh, uh, one thing that I've noticed is that the more things change, the more they stay the same. The core of Vincent Kennedy McMahon has never changed. This could have taken place in 2022, and I wouldn't have been surprised at all. You know, I, you know, we've been talking about this match for weeks. I've told you multiple times, I'm really looking forward to the triple header match, right? Correct. Intercontinental title, world title on the line against the tag team champions. They've built this up to be the greatest match ever. Vince McMahon, what's the irony here? God almighty. He says on commentary, the interim president, Gorilla Monsoon, guarantees that there will be new champions crowned at this match. <laughs> well, well I guess technically there on. was. The, the, the tag team titles change hands. So, oh so the end of the match, the end of the matchup, Owen Hart comes down. Um, they, they've gone back and forth. Bulldog hits the power slam on Diesel. Sean makes the save. Owen comes out and dives off the top rope at Diesel. What's the point? Diesel, hit, Diesel punches Owen. Gets hit with the power bomb, and Diesel scores the win. And as we go off the air, Jim Ross is confused, but the fireworks the are going off. <laughs> the fireworks are going off, and we've got new World Tag Team Champions. Diesel and Sean, as of the end of In Your House, are the WWF Tag Team Champions. <laughs> I 
think you're ready to just turn it off right now. I, you, yeah, good thing it was the end, or else I would have turned it off prematurely. I'm telling you, bro, like, okay, okay, so, like if Owen shows up, what's the point of him not being in the match? Like, like he, he's late to the arena or whatever? What's going on here, man? Yeah, so here's my thing. I think, and I don't know if this is true. There's, it's, it's the internet, so you don't know if it's true. There was a rumor and a story going around that Owen Hart, the birth of one of his kids, like, was the day before. Really? So they, weren't sh- they weren't sure if he was going to make it. Mm. See, I did not but, know that. But here's the thing. He was there. That's true. <laughs> so Very you, true. So I don't think you needed to do all this yep, bulldog right. stuff. My God. Um, it, was, it was a weird finish. The match itself was a fun tag match. Yeah, it was not bad. Um, <laughs> you're so sour about this. Did- I'm more sour than a lemon, my friend. Let me tell you. All right. So, so let me ask. We've gone through in your house. Obviously, Brett and Jean Pierre is the best match of that night. Yep. Is there anything else you want to mention about that card before we quickly go to Raw so we can get you out of WWF land? It's still WWF though. No. Well, no. Uh, we're we're, we're going to write to Raw after this so we can get you out of WWF. Oh, land. right. I we're, see what you're saying. Uh, no. Uh, well, let me just say, let let's once again go into the realm of kayfabe for one second here. If you're the referee, you know Owen Hart is not the legal man in this match. So why, in the name of all things holy, are you counting his shoulders down to the mat? One, two, three. Why are you doing I, it? If k is real, this dude should lose his job. He should never referee again. Uh, Gorilla Monsoon should have publicly fired him, maybe publicly executed him, and he should never <laughs> be seen again. It is That is truly the first... Uh, screw job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Sean <laughs> Michaels has been involved in two screw jobs, oh, and here's God. the first one. <laughs> oh, my God. What a All right. cluster. <laughs> my God. <laughs> All right, so In Your House 3 is not Wade's favorite pay-per-view. Nope. <laughs> well, let's, let's see how the story plays out. The following night, Monday Night Raw, we're live. Raw is live. L-I-V-E live. Ooh, you can spell. Civic, Sometimes. From the Civic Auditorium in Grand Rapids, Michigan, Vince McMahon, Jerry Lawler on commentary. Raw last week drew a 2.7 rating. This week, 1.9. Hmm. That wow. rating plummeted. Yeah, it did. To uh, be honest, I'm happy it did. Because <laughs> they deserve it. So the show begins with an in-your-house recap and the controversial finish to the tag match. We cut to the boardroom with Jim Cornette and his new attorney, Clarence Mason... Right. Talking to Gorilla Monsoon, and it is revealed, since Owen Hart was not the legal man of the match, the tag team titles have gone back to Owen and Yoko. So they have undone the main event of In Your House 3. And Gorilla Monsoon says to Jim Cornette that Owen and Yoko are tag team champions, but they have to defend the titles tonight on Raw. That's right. And when he said that, I thought they were going to defend against Sean and Diesel. And no, why would they, they- do that? They gave no, you know, idea to the otherwise. So if I'm watching here in 95, I'm thinking, dope, we're going to get the match as advertised from last night. We're going to see Sean and Diesel win the tag titles, maybe. Nope, it ain't Sean and Diesel. How would you feel if you would have cool paid... Though. If if you'd have paid the fourteen ninety five or seventeen oh ninety five, whatever it was, for, for in your house the night before... I would have been upset. <laughs> yeah, you, you could have thought if I take a gas in a car... For maybe. in your house three. I don't know, maybe. Well, with the inflation, maybe. Back then, sure. <laughs> well, 
So we'll, we at least know we have a tag team championship match later tonight on Raw. We kick it off with the return of Marty Jannetty to the World yes, Wrestling sir. Federation against Skip of the Body Donnas. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I wrote in my notes at one point, Marty got a nice hug from Sonny during the match. Yeah, I wrote that down too. That was funny. That was a good um, spot there. Uh, you know, it honestly surprised me how like how over Marty was. Maybe it shouldn't have surprised me, but like, how, how long has he been gone at this point? Uh, he was there in '94, uh, maybe okay. maybe into '95. Um, so he gotcha. wasn't gone too long, gotcha. but he was but he on. Was, he was gone for a little bit, and, yeah, and he was Marty very was, popular. He was kind of in and out of the WWF at this time. Uh, I did like how this matchup kind of is a precursor to what WCW would start to do with your young, fast-paced wrestlers yep. starting off the show with just mm-hmm. a fun, technically sound match. Yep. Uh, Marty hits the rocker dropper, which I thought was going to be the end of the matchup. Then God, goes, it's a, fl- uh, hits a flying fist drop. At 7.39, Marty Jenny beats Skip. And that was a that fun move, dude. It, it was a fun match. It was, yeah. It was. I mean, no, no <laughs> complaints? Know, no, no complaints at all. It was good. Uh, Marty's great. I think... Um, one of the funniest things that happened during the match had nothing to do with the match. Uh, Vince and King were talking about the Undertaker and Bulldog match that's going to come up. And then <laughs> Jerry Lawler says that the Bulldog will use the Undertaker as a fire hydrant. <laughs> and Vince, actually, this happened right before the match, actually, sorry. And Vince's reaction to this, you should go back and watch it again if you if you haven't seen it. Like, his reaction was so funny. I feel like, I I feel like he didn't know that that was coming in his reaction. It was hilarious. I, I think Vince McMahon on commentary on this show where he's live is just so much more insane and mm-hmm. he's so much more entertaining because he's just has no idea what's coming next. Yep. And he, like his body and his brain are not connected and they just do things and he has no idea what's happening. Yep. <laughs> we go to commercial break. We get the WWF tag team title match up next. It's the Smoking Guns. The former champions getting a tag team title rematch. This is a WrestleMania 11 rematch. It's also a rematch from In Your House 1. Um, and the match goes 10 minutes and 9 seconds. The guns are just super popular. Billy Gunn hits a giant bulldog on Yokozuna and the place go- blows up. Uh, t- end of the matchup, the, the smoking guns whip Owen Hart into Yokozuna. And Owen collapses. They hit the sidewinder. Yoko tries to make the save, but he splashes Owen instead. Bart covers Owen, and in 10 minutes and 9 seconds, we've got new World Wrestling Federation Tag Team Champions. Whoo! Now see, this was more fun than what happened the night before. I love the smoking guns, man. Uh, You know, I still love Billy. I have no idea what Bart is up to, or if he's alive. Sorry, if he's not. I don't know what's going on. (laughs) I believe he's still alive. Okay, sorry, Bart. I don't know. Uh, one thing, one thing we actually passed over is we had a backstage segment with the lawyer again, with with Jim Cornette and Gorilla Monsoon. And what was so funny to me about this is that the commentary is really putting over the lawyer. You oh, know what yeah, I mean? They you love know what I'm talking about? Clarence Mason. Clarence Mason. He's Vince and Vince at one point called him a barrister, which I didn't think they had barristers outside of the UK. You know, I thought that was a really funny touch. Uh, but yeah, the I'm, match. I'm, Go ahead. I'm pretty sure Clarence Mason is a real lawyer. Is he I really? He gets, I, I believe he is. Oh wow! And Clarence and Clarence Mason Mason actually is, becomes more important in 1996. Oh, okay. I don't remember. He, but okay, he, that's he great. joins us. He'll become a member of a certain nation. 
Really? As a lawyer? Yeah. He's oh. the representation of the, of the nation. Okay. That's cool. Uh, I think they were maybe trying... Well, if he's actually a lawyer, then maybe not. I thought maybe they were kind of trying to parody uh, Johnny Cochran because he was very popular at the time. They parried him on Seinfeld and stuff. Uh, so I thought that might have been the case. But if he was a real lawyer, then maybe not. Oh, I mean, I think I think they were still trying to parody him because, mm-hmm. I mean, you know their pulse is... Their finger's right on the pulse of society. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, anyway, it was a good match. I got something to tell you about this match that... Really, uh, I'm, in, I'm, in, I'm, I'm all ears. It doesn't have anything to do with the match, though. It has something to do with what Jerry Lawler said. You, I don't know if you thought about me when this line came up. If you don't know this, I am a lifelong fan of the Dallas Cowboys. You might be wondering, what does this have to do with the match in WWF? Well, I'll tell you. Jerry Lawler, obviously the smoking guns are Cowboys, right? So he's talking about Jerry Lawler saying that they're the Cowboys. And then he says that the guns remind him of the Dallas Cowboys. Vince says, why is that? Jerry Lawler says, because they're a bunch of losers. (laughs) Oh, really, Jerry the King Lawler? Take that crown off, because that season they won the Super Bowl, baby. (laughs) That's right. I'd also also like to to chime in there that Jerry Lawler and I both root for the Cleveland Browns. That's (laughs) true. I feel sorry for both of you. (laughs) So, For many reasons. He doesn't have, doesn't have much of a leg to stand on on nope. that one. No leg. Uh, uh, and they also they also sold the t-shirt, the triple header t-shirt again, with another model called Tammy. Is she a wrestler? I'm not sure. I don't believe she is. I don't, okay, I don't, if she I don't was, I was going to be girl. upset again, all over again. Uh, but they modeled the shirt them. again. Well, and this time, they said this is the absolute last time oh you can God. buy this shirt. I really hope next week on Raw we get to see the shirt again. Um, But we're we're also skipping over, as the Smoking Guns celebrate their title win, Sean and Diesel come out to celebrate with them. Yeah, yeah. This show quickly becomes the Sean and Diesel show, and it's Mm -hmm. really, really weird. Uh, We get a commercial for next week on Raw, where we're going to see Razor Ramon against the 1-2-3 Kid and Bret Hart against Jean-Pierre Lafitte in two big rematches. And the one thing that that stuck out to me in this preview is Todd Pettengill says that Bret Hart is going to execute Jean-Pierre Lafitte. What? What is up with everybody trying to murder everybody? Uh, the way you said that was so funny. Oh, my God. Because he said he's going to execute. <laughs> I go, holy crap. We had the giant try to murder Hulk Hogan. And yep. now Bret Hart's going to... And his motorcycle and his freaking head. Yeah. Anyway, this is not the WWF por- or the WCW portion of the show yet. Nope. Uh, after after the preview for Raw, Gorilla Monsoon comes out, interviewed by Doc Hendrick, talking about In Your House Four. We get a couple of big announcements for In Your House Four, in addition to the Undertaker against King Mabel and the debut of Gold Dust. Gorilla Monsoon officially announces the British Bulldog is the number one contender, and he's going to face Diesel for the WWF title. But the winner of that match is going to face Bret the Hitman Hart at the Survivor Series. Ooh, yeah. So, a couple of big title matches there. And then Shawn Michaels is going to defend the Intercontinental Championship against Dean Douglas. And oh, the backstory around that one. Really? Oh, just wait till we get there. Okay. All right. I'm excited. Um,. If if you thought the shenanigans at In Your House 3 were bad, wait till In Your House 4. 
Lex, <laughs> we should just stop doing this podcast now. <laughs> Wade's going to never watch In Your House. He's going to hear the words In Your House in regular <laughs> conversation and just <laughs> have the yep. itches and the cold chills. Yep. Um, we, <laughs> during Gorilla Monsoon's uh, announcement, the British Bulldog comes out for our, our main event on Raw. The Undertaker defeats the British Bulldog by disqualification at 729. Bulldog was really dominant in this matchup, kind of making him look like the the actual number one contender he is. Uh, Towards the end of the matchup, Bulldog just keeps hitting power move after power move, and the Undertaker is kicking out and sitting back up every time. So the Undertaker is, is still looking like this unstoppable monster. He hits the chokeslam on the British Bulldog. Before he hit the tombstone, though, here comes King Mabel, who was at ringside, to attack The Undertaker and squashes it with a belly-to-belly suplex. Yeah, I love Bo. Man, oh man. Great move. Uh, after the match, the Bulldog hits the power slam on The Undertaker. Mabel hits a leg drop. Sean and Diesel come out to make the save. Owen Hart and Yokozuna come out. They're on the ring. Here comes the Here smoking guns. Here we Here go. Com- <laughs> Here comes the smoking guns, fresh out of the shower. And I mean... Bart's pants aren't buttoned. They're they got no shoes on. Some... <laughs> yeah, they have no They're shoes. covered in suds. <laughs> they got soap on them. I will say this. At least the Civic Center in Grand Rapids has TVs in the shower. I know. I'm thinking the same thing. How do they know? They're sudsing each other up, whatever. I don't know what they're doing in there. All of a sudden, huh, my spidey sense is tingling. Oh, no, the Undertaker's in trouble. Let's go. What's oh, no, our friends, are di- our friends are dying. Like, did so- like we have to believe that somebody went into the shower and said, hey, the Undertaker's getting beat up. And they said, oh, no, we better put our pants on and go help him. Why? <laughs> what do I have to do with the Undertaker? Listen, they were helping their friends Sean and Diesel, oh, who said good okay. job to them five minutes ago. So now they're best friends. <laughs> can, can we just talk about the fact that last week on Raw, Shawn Michaels took his pants off, and now this week we have soapy, wet, half-naked cowboys Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Again, four-year-old J.R. and Wade are not allowed yep. to watch Raw. Nope, it was a strange time, my friend. I don't remember Soapy Wet Cowboys, but I feel like... That's a if we ever, if we, <laughs> But if we ever start selling t-shirts, Soapy Wet Cowboys is going to be great. Oh, yeah, for sure. <laughs> no doubt. I, uh, I'll call up well, Billy. I'll, we'll get Billy to do a cameo for us or something. Somebody let us know if you'd buy a soapy wet cowboy yeah. shirt. We'll start selling them. Uh, we'll sell anything. Yeah, <laughs> oh, that's for sure. Uh, one, one funny thing. Jerry Lawler had another great line was that the Undertaker is going to put the bulldog in the pet cemetery. So that was another funny line from uh, from King. After, you know, after the match, you know, the the brawl ends and everything. And then Taker shakes everybody's hand in turn. And then... Here comes another dance routine. Okay, Sean and Diesel both. They're in the ring. They're enter like the entrance, like the special lights are on. They got they just like dance and have a good time in the ring. Meanwhile, the King and Vince are, you know, running down, you know, what's coming up and what's happened already and stuff like that. For I mean, this is a good portion of the show. They could have had a banger of a match between Undertaker and the uh, British Bulldog. I almost said Junkyard Dog for some reason. I don't know. Uh, I mean, these are two of the greatest wrestlers, dude. You could have had a great match that could have gone the whole time. You know, if you want to have... Oh, my God. Just whatever. I I just wish you could have clean matches where one person wins and one person loses for your big stars, not just Skip 
or you know Bret Hart, whoever. Like I, I just wish they'd have clean endings to matches. You're missing the most important part of the end of Raw. Please enlighten we, me. We got to see Vince McMahon dance, and it was terrible. <laughs> True. Also, True. for the second week in a row, Shawn Michaels took his overtights off. I don't know if you saw that. He took off I, the overtights, and he took off his shirt and threw it to Jerry and Vince. So he mm-hmm. was getting naked again. Yep. Two weeks and in a row. And Vince is loving it, dude. Like, he's he loves Shawn, dude. Yeah, he he really loves him. This was a an episode of Raw that there's a promo we're going to hit on another show in a little bit. And there's really no saying the promo is wrong when you've got Shawn Michaels taking his pants off and soapy wet cowboys. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it was a weird ending to Raw. That's one way to put it. <laughs> All right. Let's go over. Let's change the channel to TNT. September the 25th, Monday Nitro. Good job hitting the remote there. Uh, we are also live from the Florence Civic Center in Florence, South Carolina. Last week, Nitro drew a 1.9 rating. That's what Raw drew this week. Nitro, 2.7 this yeah, week. Yeah, boy. Nitro gets their first official win in the ratings. Yes, sir. So, so the show opens. It is uh, Bobby the Brain Heenan making fun of Pepe. First hey. thing I noticed... Pepe's got a saddle. Yeah, you don't make fun of Pepe, Brain. I don't care if you're a legend. You don't make fun of Pepe. That's my boy. But He's got why? A saddle on. But why? They weren't even. They weren't in Texas. They were in South Carolina. I don't know, man. He, he maybe uh, they are in with Stuart Little or something. I don't know, man. But Pepe has a saddle on, and I'm here for it. He's got his cowboy hat. I love Pepe. Do not besmirch the name of Pepe. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Eric Bischoff says we're going to hear from the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Hulk Hogan tonight after um, almost having his life ended by the Giant at Fall Brawl. <laughs> One thing to note on this intro, if you actually watch the, the classic WCW Nitro intro, they've taken Vader out of the video package. Now Luger's mm. in his spot. So uh, we're, we're getting closer to Vader being out of contract to WCW, and yeah. uh, I wonder where he's going to go. Mm. Anyway. It is time for, on paper, my favorite match of all time, Dust Wonder Kid Alex Wright against the Disco Inferno. They get four minutes. I, just, I, got, a little, I got a little strain here to do this one. Um, <laughs> the, they go four minutes. Alex Wright beats Disco Inferno with a backslide. Uh, Disco Inferno had just debuted on Saturday night. Th- this match was just there. It was clunky yeah. and, mm-hmm. yeah... Uh, I think, yeah, you're right. You, you know, you're not wrong. Uh, one of the things that I've noticed and yet you would notice is the WCW Nitro stage. Actually, I'm just going to say it. All WCW stages are better than WWF's. The stage, when we watch Saturday night, I love that. With the closing door, so dope. Um, Eric um, Bischoff during the match says, don't think about changing the channel because there's nothing else going on anywhere else, baby. Okay. So, and you know what? He ain't wrong. <laughs> nobody, nobody changed the channel this week, so. Yep. Um, yeah, the match itself was just kind of there. I expected more. I These two will face off down the line, and we will get more, but this one was just kind of like a, eh, it was there. Yep. Uh, after the match, we get a pre-recorded interview with the WSW World Champion Hulk Hogan wearing a neck brace. Um, 
Hulk Hogan says he's going to get a bigger monster truck and challenge mm-hmm. the giant to a monster truck match, brother. Yep. And then after the monster truck match, brother, I'm going to be happy to give you a world title shot, brother. And here is where... So, uh, here two things. First of all, the man tried to murder you, and you're like, you know what? You get a world title shot. <laughs> like, he gave Luger the shot two weeks ago or whatever, and that was a stupid decision. Yep. And now he's just given the giant one. Like, Hogan is, he, he has had too much pasta mania. <laughs> um, and then he says, after he slams the giant, he's going to lay him to rest in Detroit next to his father, referencing Andre the Giant. Would you like to know something interesting about Andre the Giant? Boy, would I. Andre the Giant was cremated. Oh, wow. And his, ash- and his ashes are in Elbury, North Carolina, at his ranch. Wow, you did some research. <laughs> They're not, not buried in Detroit, Hulk. I don't know what's going on, man. But I was very surprised when he said he was going to get his own monster truck, because I don't remember that happening at all. Um, I remember Gold- uh, Goldberg having one. That was a lot of fun, but that's later on. Yeah, you're right, dude. Like, what's up with Hulk giving away these title matches to big dudes? Like, we, if you watched our podcast a couple weeks ago, you know I said, like, Lex Luger's like, I want a title match, and Hulk's like, you don't have to wait for it, you got it now, shake my hand. And now he's offering the title match to the Giant. He's offering it to the Giant. What are you, you just got your neck snapped like a crayon, and you're, you're saying, hey, seven-foot-tall monster, here's a title match, what's wrong with you? I don't know if it's a Hulk thing, if it's a booking babyface thing, I don't know. But this kind of thing is just wild, bro. At least have the Giants say, give me a title match. At least preface it with that first. Just wait until you see what Hulk's monster truck looks like. It is the most oh, Hulk God. Hogan looking thing you'll ever see. Well, I'm excited <laughs> uh, now. We go to commercial break and we come back. We get a Slim Jim commercial. Let me ask, what I like to snap best? Arms? Legs? Oh, oh. I like a baby spicy Slim Jim. Step into it. And then we get to uh, Mean Gene interviewing Macho Man Randy Savage. Uh, Luger comes sprinting out. They came, almost came to blows last week. Luger says there's a serious lack of respect for the Macho Man, and he challenges Macho Man to a match next week on Nitro. If he can't beat Randy Savage, he's going to leave the WCW. I feel like this promo outside of like that announcement was a really big rehash of last week. Yeah, it was. It was sure. like the same promo. Yeah. Um, I like that they're building to a match, but it, it was you could it was a copy and paste. You could have just said, hey, next week on Nitro, Luger and Savage. Yeah. I, I was really uh, surprised when he said that if he, if he loses, he'll quit. Like, does anybody believe that's actually going to happen? I, like, I was that more up. believable in 95 than it is now? Like, Lex has been there for less than a month. Does anybody think he's going to quit, really? Right. Like, that, that that's what drove me nuts. Like, you just showed up, like, four weeks ago. Yep. <laughs> We're on the fourth episode of Nitro, and you're like, I'm going to leave. I'm tired of this place. Uh, after the match, Bischoff officially announces Machine versus Machine and Man versus Man for Halloween Havoc 1995. I, think, I, I said just wait till In Your House 4 for shenanigans, but holy crap, Halloween Havoc's got hit. Got shenanigans too. Like the amount of crap pay per views. Like, tune in to see Wade's reactions to these crap pay per views. And I, speaking of. Geez. Is, does speak, they actually have like a monster truck rally that day? Oh, yeah. Wow. I don't remember ever oh, seeing that. I'm excited. Listen, I'm excited more for that than the match because I already know what's going to happen in the match. I'm excited for your reactions. 
Um, after uh, the announcement of crap matches, we get a crap match as Kurosawa with Colonel Rob Parker beats Sergeant Craig Pitbull Pittman in 426 uh, with a bridging suplex. Uh, that This match didn't click. Not really, but there are some interesting things that happened, let me tell you. Let me tell you this. Pitbull Pittman has the greatest headbutts I've ever seen. Like, this dude, like, remember when, like, Vladimir Kozlov would, like, headbutt dudes in the chest? This is like that, but better. This dude launches himself like a missile at dudes and headbutts him right in the sternum. He did that multiple times. I'm like, bro, I love that. Uh, so at, so what, you're, yeah. what you're saying is if the United States Marine Corps would just train people like that, we would never lose a war? Oh, yeah. What were we in <laughs> Vietnam, bro? Come on. Just start launching just start humans out of the can- <laughs> Uh, You know... Yeah. Uh, One of the great things that did happen was that Kurosawa, not too long into the match, goes to the outside, pulls the mat up on the ground, and slams Pitbull Pitman onto the concrete. I thought I was going to hear a bell ring for a disqualification, but they just went on with the match. Like, that's something that happens at the end of a match or after a match, and they still had a good amount of match left after that. That was surprising. And and Bobby the Brain Heenan had a good uh, line after that. He said... Uh, Pitbull splatted like grandma out of the wheelchair. I'm like, bro, what kind of morbid, like him and Jerry Lawler should be on a show together. Why weren't they? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't know if that show would even make it to the air. You're right. They would just get cut off from the air. Like the first episode. Yep. Uh, <laughs> we go to commercial break. We come back. We have Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman in the ring. Um, something to kind of take note of because we're still in this weird era where they're promoting a lot of stuff on Saturday night. Uh, Ric Flair on Saturday night, they announced Ric Flair is going to face Arn Anderson and Brian Pillman at a later date once Flair can find a partner. So Ric Flair has been on Saturday night trying to recruit Randy Savage and Sting and among others. Brian Pillman is super intense in this promo and I, he has finally mm-hmm. flipped the switch. Yep, uh, We're kind of getting towards that loose cannon Brian Pillman. Uh, I love that he says they're going to exercise their right to hospitalize anyone that gets in their path and the right to bear arms and puts up the four fingers. That was great. Uh, Arn says the better man won at Fall Brawl, and now Rick wants to go to a tag team match, which is my world. And he says, Rick, you've run over everyone in front of you for 15 years. No wonder you can't find a partner. I was always there to to back you up. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I thought that was, it was a decent promo. Like yeah. I, I, they got the point across. Definitely, I, I've heard I've heard better from both. Hmm. I thought what was weird about this is the continuity issue, where last week on Nitro, Flair is every time Flair touches a mic, if I I, I can't find you, I'm gonna find you next week and I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> Art is literally in the ring on national TV with mm-hmm. spotlights everywhere. He is not a hard person to find. Nope. And Rick never comes out. Nope. Like, <laughs> what? Well, it is two on one, though. Well, uh, who cares? Bring a weapon. I don't care. True. The equalizer. <laughs> anyway, uh, we got a Anywho. commercial break. We get a, we come back. We got a preview for Saturday night. Sting and Johnny B. Bad for the U.S. title. It's the one time we're going to break the rule and cover Saturday night. And then we get this abomination. The Taskmaster against the Macho Man Randy Savage. Zodiac's out there with the Taskmaster, gets involved multiple times during the match. Savage has enough of it, mm-hmm. and 
pulls Zodiac in the ring. The referee tries to stop Randy Savage. Randy Savage just pushes the referee, yeah. gets himself disqualified at 258, and then drops the big elbow on the Zodiac. Yep. Uh, why? Macho went out of his mind, bro. That's, I mean, they're showing, that's how PO'd he is, bro. That's how angry he is. He just wants to get his hands on these dudes, and he, you know, is he puts down the referee. But why not have him wrestle Zodiac? Because he wrestled Zodiac for more of that match. Because no one cares about Zodiac. What even is he, dude? Like, but who cares? Who cares break. about the? Who cares about the Taskmaster? In hey, 95? he's a Taskmaster. Come on. Listen. Don't be the, the, the name of Taskmaster. The the bigger part of this comes after the show or after the match. Yeah. The giant comes out and the giant hits what I think is his first choke slam on TV. I love it. Get to Randy Savage. And then Giant tries to go on the offensive more. And here come the good guys to make the save. Here comes freaking Frankie Lancaster. And he gets murdered with a choke slam. Yeah. And then the bell keeps ringing and Bischoff says, we need more help. Here comes the baby faces to save it. Freaking Mark Starr. It, Mark Starr gets choke slammed. And then the crowd blows up. I'm glad you're saying these names because I had no idea who they were. The crowd blows up. Here comes Dust Wonder Kid Alex Wright off the top rope. He gets, like, squashed with a spinebuster. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. He's yeah. dead. Um, Lex Luger eventually comes out. And this is where it gets interesting. Luger stands over Savage. Sullivan's so happy to see Luger. And the Giant is just out of his mind. He mm-hmm. turns Luger around. Luger punches Giant. Giant choke slams Lex Luger. And Kevin Sullivan is so mad. He looks at the Giant like the Giant is the puppy dog that just peed in the house for the first time. Mm-hmm. He's so mad. Yep. And the commentary is really playing up that angle, too. So, very interesting. And I, I will say, I really like how the Giant delivered those choke slams, where he's like slamming them and down on the ground instead of just throwing them down. I thought that, I liked how he did that. Oh, yeah, his choke slams looked like they were just killing him. Oh, yeah. They did such a great job of building him up. Uh, we go to commercial break, and we come back. Luger's still in the ring because Luger's in our main event against the man called Ming. Uh, Ming, Ming is just not going to waste any time, go right on yep. the offensive as he should, and yep. Eric Bischoff could not care less on commentary. He's like... Mm-hmm. WCW officer just got a phone call from Hulk Hogan. He's super mad at what happened. He can't believe this happened. He's coming live to Nitro next week. Mm-hmm. I, I appreciate that, but like, there's a match going on. And when I say a match, there's like a murder happening. Yep. Towards the end of the match, Luger tries to fight back, gets Ming in the corner, hits him with a clothesline, and then just falls over after yeah. clotheslining Ming. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, but he, my issue is like he gets right back up and starts putting the boots to Ming like nothing ever happened. Like, I'm fine. This is great. Uh, Ming grabs out the golden spike and stabs Lex Luger in the throat. Why is there so much murder in 95? I don't know, man. Like on one channel, you have so much attempted murder and the other, you have so many naked men. <laughs> Which one do you prefer? <laughs> I don't even know. Do you want the show where you've got a monster truck trying to run somebody over or a soapy wet cowboy? Oh, God. It was a different time, my friend. The match goes 646. Mink beats Lex Luger. So Savage and Luger have both lost matches before their big match next week. Uh, Mm -hmm. Thoughts? I I don't really have any thoughts, bro. Then you know I don't even know what to say. The match or the the show ends with the commentators kind of uh, wrapping things up and 
you know, going with what's next. And Brain has a line that I thought was interesting. He says that, you know, Lex Luger left the WWF to play with the big boys, but the F is bleeped out. Did you notice that? I noticed that. I think it's weird because, like, Peacock and the network and whoever, they are really, like, very loose on when they censor the F and when oh, yeah. they don't. They say WWF on WWF all the time. And this one time they bleep it out, I thought that was strange. It's a weird time, but um, so we've got kind of uh, we'll go we're running on the cards for Raw and Nitro here in a minute, uh, but both shows have some weird finishes. Yep. Uh, and speaking of weird, let's just start off a show weird because we're gonna fast forward September the twenty sixth, ECW Hardcore TV. This show is like 45 minutes, and I feel like three mm. hours of stuff happens. Yep. Like, we're going to try to speed through this, but there's just so much stuff. So the match, chaos, bro. The show starts off with the highlights of a do, of the do-or-die double-dog collar match, which has become a do-or-die double-dog collar two-out-of-three-falls handicap match. Mm-hmm. Because Stevie Richards is nowhere to be found, and Raven says he'll fight the Pitbulls, but only if it's two-out-of-three-falls. I wouldn't want to get my tail kicked, like, two-to-three times by the Pitbulls. Nope. Um, the Pitbulls find Richards in the back. They bring him out. Raven pile drives Pitbull number two through a table to win the first ball. Richards gets hit with a super bomb through a table to tie it up. Then Dudley, Dudley, and Dances with Dudley comes out to help Richards and Raven. The Pitbulls hit super bomb or get hit with super bombs. And then they just pop right back up. So like, yeah, you're not hitting us with our move. They hit. So here's my question. Both Pitbulls hit a double DDT on the Dudleys and Richards and Raven. Is it a quadruple DDT or is it a double-double DDT? Hmm. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think I'm confused by this opening segment. Yeah, because I'm with you. Because after the, after the double-double quadruple DDT, uh, Francine and Beulah come out for the cat fight as Pitbull number two is being checked on by the paramedics and Raven mm-hmm. has unhooked himself from Pitbull number two. Tommy Dreamer comes out, who's still looking for... for Revenge on Raven, chains himself to Raven, DDT's Raven, finally gets the pin. He finally pins Raven. That's been Tommy Draper's big story arc for for his entire time in ECW. Is looking for the respect of the fans and trying to pin Raven. So he pins Raven. We think that the Pitbulls or or Pitbull 1 and Tommy Draper have won the titles. Hey, this sounds familiar of a tag team match with somebody not involved in the match getting in. Uh, Bill Alfonso comes out and says the match is not going to go down in the record books. Tommy Dreamer still never officially pinned Raven. Mm-hmm. Here comes Todd Gordon, who's the commissioner of ECW. He restarts the match. Big Dick Dudley comes out in a leg brace for some reason and choke slams Tommy Dreamer. Bill Alfonso says choke slams are illegal tonight. Here comes 911, whose whole gimmick is I choke slam people. He finally choke slams Bill Alfonso. Pitbull number two comes back out. They stack up Raven and Tommy Dreamer for a super duper bomb. Todd Gordon counts the pinfall, and the Pitbulls win the tag team titles. That was the most convoluted tag yep. team title match I've ever heard, and it was highlights. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. I didn't even see the whole match, and to be honest, I'm not. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm cool. With I would have. I would have preferred the whole match because it would have been spaced out, and I would have get hit in the face with that's a freaking true. fire hose. That's a good. That's a good point. Like, dang. Like, it looked exciting, but I had no idea what was going on. Oh, it was mass chaos, bro. It was wild. 
I, I'm going to pull back the curtain. I had to watch that opening thing back like three times to get that breakdown. Wow. My, my I brain, do not envy you. My brain exploded. Uh, after the highlights, we cut to the Pitbulls. We cut a promo uh, based on Richards and Raven. We get the opening from Joey Styles. And then we get uh, Lance Wright saying there's going to be a rematch for the tag team titles. Uh, Todd Gordon and Bill Alfonso are both going to be the special referees. Uh, so then Bill Alfonso comes in, he's threatening lawsuits, he's yelling a bunch, Todd Gordon calls him a jerk, they're leaving, everybody's yelling. Yep. I feel like that's like another catchphrase of the show, everybody's yep. fucking yells in promos. Mm-hmm. Um, we got to Raven and Stevie Richards, they're sitting somewhere, and they, they keep saying that they're standing, and they're gonna <laughs> keep standing, but they're clearly sitting. <laughs> I was gonna say that, dude, I was like, Oh, we lost the match, but we're still standing. And both of them are, like, on the ground, like, in pain. Yeah, they're sitting for this for the majority of this promo. So they announce another stipulation to the tag team title rematch with double referees. It's also going to be a lumberjack match, but there's only going to be two lumberjacks of 9-1-1 in Big Dick Dudley. And I'm like, what is happening? That's, that, uh, yeah. It was wild. Uh, and Stevie was laying on the ground. He was just straight crying, dude. Like he was crying. He was. You could, you could keep seeing him dabbing his eyes like this. He was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna win." I tell you, I'm gonna. Oh my god, you know. I'm like, oh my god, dude. This is EC freaking W. I love Raven promos. This was, this was not a good Raven promo. We did get the catchphrase at the end though, which was nice. Go to Raven, nevermore. We did get the catchphrase. Um. After that, we go to J.T. Smith. Yeah, boy. J.T. Smith, on, on a very high level, has brain damage and thinks he's Italian. I love this, dude. Go ahead. I'm, I'm I, I had no idea. I'd never heard of J.T. Smith before. That you know, uh, Joey Styles was backstage before the match talking about how he uh, viewed himself as an honorary Italian. And I'm like, okay, well, who's this guy? Well, you know, why is this weird? I see J.T. Smith. As I said, I've never heard of him before. I see him in the ring. Then I think, oh, now I know why this is funny. Okay, you know what I mean? Uh, I just cracked up, dude, this whole time. I love this guy. At one point, he he just throws him. He, fall, he basically falls through a table. Um, he is a very comedy gimmick. Yeah. Oh, it was so, funny, man. So, yeah, I so absolutely that, love this guy. Yeah, that, that was... That was entertaining. Um, Very. <laughs> so he's wrestling the Shaw Hack Myers. Uh, after he goes through the table, he gets counted out. They they announce he's disqualified, um, but it's a count out loss at five oh one. So you know yeah. what's funny? Uh, as I said about us being in here in a point in time, I wrote down on my notes because I couldn't hear. I said I wrote J T Smith versus some dude. <laughs> I had no idea who he was. Yeah, the, the Shaw Hack Myers. Um, All right, is, who, is so. who that is. So then we get. Let's, let's see if I can if I can follow my my notes here because I am I am so baffled. We get a two goal Scorpio promo. Is that, yeah, is that right? Are, are, are we at the right? Yeah. He, oh yeah. Okay, because because I'm mixing up two promos here. Two goal Scorpio is talking. Well, Joey Styles had a little bit before where he was just, like, he starts talking about J.T. Smith and stuff, and then he just, like, cracks up, starts laughing, and walks out of the frame. Yeah. Joey so I, I love think, Joey so much. I think that's where my, my, my part of my confusion comes in. But 
I thought Too Cool Scorpio's promo was really basic. Like It was very, like, yeah. Like, I'm going to beat Taz for the World Television mm-hmm. title. Um, he, start, he sings a song once, twice, three times a champion. And said, so, you know, yeah. I'm going to beat up Taz and stuff, yeah. Yeah, it, it, it was weird. I, God, uh, I love Too Cool Scorpio so much, dude. So then we get the six-man tag team. Uh, it's clips of a six-man tag team match. It mm-hmm. is supposed to be the sexiest man alive, Jason, teaming with the newcomers, the Eliminators. Mm-hmm. That's Perry Saturn. Or sorry, let, let me back that up because this is where this is where I messed it up. This was supposed to be Two Cold Scorpio and the Eliminators mm-hmm. against Taz and the Steiner brothers. Yeah, and Two Cold Scorpio gives his spot up to the sexiest man alive, Jason who is the manager of the Eliminators. And in return, uh, Tuco Scorpio gets himself put in the six-man tag team cage match in re- in replacement of Mustafa, who is thrown in jail. <laughs> like we said, chaos. It so is it's, a wild. So it, it's a highlights of the six-man tag match. Uh, Taz is clearly not 100%. Mm-hmm. Because he he barely can do anything in the match, um, the eliminators are like super impressive though. Mm-hmm. Uh, Saturday Chronos Chronos hits a flip leg drop at one point, which I'm like, yeah, yeah, the Houston Hangover dude. Yeah, but he did it from a, like, a standing position. Yeah, I love that. Um, towards the end of the match, Taz is beating down Jason. And then Tuco Scorpio comes in, bashed him with the World Television title, and yep. Jason pins Taz. After and Scorpio Joey's... puts Jason on top of Taz. Yeah, and, and Joey Styles thinks that this is, like, the worst abomination. <laughs> like, um, for what we saw, like, the six-man tag was fine. Um, I So, so what, what they're doing is they're really just setting up the future Tuco cool Scorpio Taz match. They're trying to they're trying to almost fill the gap here because Taz is clearly not a hundred percent. Yeah. Like it's it's terrifying. Mm-hmm. Like he can barely take a move. Like why are you in this six man tag? Mm-hmm. Uh but after the match, Scott Steiner uh for, I wrote down he foreshadows how great his promos will become. Yeah, that's a good point, yeah. So <laughs> Taz is talking about uh, Tuco Scorpio and <laughs> I, 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 how do you even go describe ahead, go this? Ahead, go ahead. I don't. I don't even know how to start this because Scott Steiner just starts talking about. Forget about being hurt, Taz. I say kick his ass. Send Jason all those feminine wrestlers like Johnny Bad who wears makeup. Gold Dust, yeah, that's good. And then uh, Shawn Michaels should all have a feminine match and wrestle for the Intergender Continental Championship and wrestle women. Kick his ass. Oh, God. Scott, you're something else, my friend. I don't know what to say. I don't either. There's nothing to say, Uh, really. Taz Taz is going to face Jason October the 7th, and he dedicates the match to the Steiners, and clearly this is the beginning of Scott Steiner losing his freaking mind. Absolutely. And uh, Taz also said he wants it to be an I quit match. He wants to make Jason say I quit. Yeah. Surprisingly, 
we cut to a promo that is with the Sandman and woman mm-hmm. talking about Mikey Whipwreck, and it's more coherent than what we just heard. Yep. And half the promo is woman say repeating, Mikey Whipwreck will never become the man she can make him. She said it like half a dozen times. Yeah, that was wild. Uh, this, this of course, is playing off of WrestlePalooza 95. Mikey Whipwreck pinned the Sandman in a non-title match, so we're kind of still building to the Sandman and, um, and, and Mikey Whipwreck, their feud over the ECW world title. And then here's really the part why we picked this episode to watch. And, and why it's so fondly remembered is it's the debut of Rey Mysterio Jr. against Psychosis. Oh, what a match. What a freaking match. It was great, dude. I um, loved it. So they go they go 10-20, and Mysterio ends up winning with a Frankensteiner, drops Psychosis on his head with it. But just the amount of the amount of things that they do in this match that are just yep. so revolutionary for 95. Mm-hmm. And just how excited the crowd gets into it yeah. and how excited Joey Styles gets into it. I love Rey Mysterio's um, springboard plancha out mm-hmm. to the it, yeah. when it goes into the, into the, into the crowd. Just mm-hmm. the visual of it and Joey Styles so excited about it. And the crowd just ate everything. And these were two guys they didn't know. Yep. I... I texted a friend of the show after I watched that match, and I said, I watched the Rey Mysterio match from 95, and I can't believe he's still so freaking good in 2020. Yep. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Like, it makes no sense. He is a um, living legend, bro. If there's one thing from what we've watched this week that you're going to go back and watch, it has to be Rey Mysterio and Psychosis. Yep. It, it it just has to be. It's too good of a match for us to go blow by blow. Uh, you know, you you can look at highlights. You, you the highlights have been shown forever in a day, and yep. this is just the first of many mm-hmm. Rey Mysterio psychosis matches. Yep, in ECW and WCW, and, and even like I think there's one or two in WWE because they're on SmackDown at the same time. Hmm. And I know they have one at One Night Stand in 05. Mm. So, I mean, this thing goes for a while, and they're all great. Yep, absolutely. Uh, I think another spot that's really great is that Ray's on the outside of the ring, and he takes a chair from the crowd, and uh, Psychosis comes in for a suicide dive, and and Ray just puts up the chair and and hits him with the head with it. Great spot. I I love that. I love that. I love how Joey Styles on commentary is like, yeah, Rey Mysterio is acclimating himself to ECW very yep. well. Mm-hmm. And I think that the ECW matches Rey Mysterio and Psychosis and Juventud Guerrero are going to have, with the added element of ECW, they're not overusing the weapons, but they are using them as an enhancement. After the match. Yeah, buddy. Here we um, go. Everything breaks. Everything breaks down. So, Literally. We get Joey Styles, and he says there's commotion in the back with New Jack and the public enemy. New Jack punches. Well, they say the gangsters, but remember, Mustafa's in jail. So, (laughs) Mustafa's not there. It's it's New Jack, and he punches a camera. So, they cut to ECW fan cam, and that gets punched out. Mm -hmm. So, they cut to a third camera, and you've you've got New Jack... And Two Cold Scorpio joins him, mm-hmm. and the Public Enemy, and they're just kind of they're fighting and they're fighting out of the building. It's chaos. It's and the camera's kind of following and panning around, and there's this yellow shirt 
and this blonde hair, and he's flexing like like Hulk Hogan. You're Steve Austin. You know that's where you're wrong, me Joy, because Steve Austin doesn't have what it takes to get it done in the ECW, brother. Yeah, boy. Stunning Steve Austin makes his debut talking about Steve Mania, yep. and. I feel like we will not do this promo justice, so I feel like we just need to let this roll mm-hmm. and listen to the audio of the debut of Steve Austin. I was never allowed to reach past mid-card status in the WCW, brother. Steve Armenia threw a run wild on the ECW, brother. I'm not going to do this anywhere, not even in ECW, because there's no way this lame is going to get that job done anywhere. So there it is, Wade. The debut of superstar Steve Austin in ECW. Um, not quite stunning and not quite stone cold, but mm-hmm. that edge is showing through a little bit. Yep, it absolutely did. Uh, he was, you know, Steven Mania. There was even somebody who said, oh, hey, Steven Mania, that's great. Like, you know, I had no idea what Johnny Steven Grunge. Mania is. There it is. I had no idea what Steven Mania Is this something he did before? No, he he, he had Steven Mania written on his shirt. I know. But I'm saying, like, because he, like, knew who he was, Steven Mania. I'm like, what? Am I supposed to know who this is? Who or what Steven Mania is? Uh, yeah, it's great. Uh, he was talking to Joey Styles, and he goes, like, let me tell you something, mean Joey. You know, instead of mean Gene. That was great. I I think that in the, in the coming weeks, again, we talked about it with Mick Foley, where the promos are going to be the real driving point of ECW and the character development. Yep. And, again, I'm super intrigued for the next Stone Cold promo. I know mm-hmm. some of the ones that are coming, and I the, like there is an episode of Monday Nyquil, and I'll leave it at that for now. But mm-hmm. S- Steve Austin hosting Monday Nyquil is again phenomenal. Uh, we really get to see Stone Cold kind of transform himself into the early stages of what Stone Cold Steve Austin will become. Normally, this is the part where the show's overweight, but we, we're we breaking the rules. We're covering Saturday night because this is the big United States heavyweight title matchup that we talked about in Fall Brawl. Johnny V. Bad earned the shot at Sting. So it's September the 30th, 1995's edition of Saturday night. They open the show. You hear Johnny V. Bad's music. We're going to start the show off with the U.S. heavyweight title match. No Johnny V. Bad. So mm-hmm. they switch. They play Sting's music. Sting comes out, no Johnny V. Bad. So then you hear, they say, all right, we're going to give Johnny more time. We're going to reschedule this match for later in the show. We cut to me, Gene Oakland, who's inter- interrupted by Brian Pillman. He's saying, Brian Pillman's blowing a shot. He goes, what happened? Did your bad blaster run out of confetti? Does baby be bad need a pacifier? And he says, I should get the title shot. Mm-hmm. So me and Gene's like, oh, would you, would you stop it? Um, later in the show, about midway through the show, Johnny B. Bad's music plays again. We're going to go U.S. heavyweight title shot. No Johnny B. Bad. Sting comes out. The most powerful referee in the world, Nick Patrick, says you're going to win by forfeit. Sting goes, I don't want to win by forfeit. And again, babyface champions at WCW are stupid. Yep, you're absolutely right. Hogan's giving out title shots. Sting doesn't want free wins. They're all stupid. Yep. Uh, we go back to me, Gene, again. Brian Pillman interrupts again and demands the title shot. Eventually on Saturday night, they, they give the title shot to Flying Brian. 
So now we're in the main event. Sting comes out. Did you notice he changed pants and makeup? He's now in green. <laughs> he oh started the show in blue. He's in green. Wow. So, uh, so yeah. Did they tape those the same day? No. <laughs> anyway, hmm. um, so it's Sting against Fly and Brian for the U.S. Heavyweight title. Sting counters the slingshot clothesline for Brian Pillman. Power slams it for the win. And just as the bell sounds, Dusty Rhodes on commentary says, hey, they just told me Johnny B. Bad just entered the building. Of course, right when the match is over. Great timing, Johnny B. Bad. Two things to note here after the match. First, Sting gets interviewed by Mean Gene. And before he can really talk about Johnny B. Bad, Ric Flair shows up asking again to be Sting's partner. And what I, what, what I liked about this one is Flair told Sting he holds Sting in the same esteem as he holds himself, and Sting takes that as a huge insult. He's like, adios, nope, was, out of here, bye. Yep, that was great, dude. So, And I also thought it was weird that Rick didn't ask for a handshake. He asked for a high five and just mm-hmm. left it awkwardly sitting there. Yep. <laughs> Would you please high five me, me my friend? Uh, so, so Sting turns down Ric Flair. We'll see the continuation of that story on Nitro. And then we go to commercial break. Johnny B. Bad shows up. Here we go. And he, te- and he tells Mean Gene, can you believe it, Gene? Car trouble. I had a flat tire. And who should walk out but the scum of the earth, Diamond Dallas Page and Max Muscle. And he goes, he says, Johnny doesn't deserve a title shot. Guys like him don't deserve a title shot. I'm already a world champion. I'm a world television champion. Zeros don't become champions. Guys like me become champions. And Gene goes, what do you have to say about this, Max Muscle? And the big dumb idiot Max Muscle goes, Yeah, it is pretty tough getting here before five tires in it, Dallas. <laughs> and the realization on Johnny B. Bad's face, when he says that, he goes, Wait a minute. Oh, wait. How did you know it was four flat tires? I said, eight flat tires. Oh, no. What a punch. And the screen goes off. They go so they go off the air with Johnny B. Bad winding up to punch Diamond Dallas Page. Yep. And, and DDP how, is like he, he's freaking out. He's like, "Hey man, shut up! Why are you saying that?" You know. And that's how Saturday Night ends. I love this promo because it's so stupid. <laughs> but like that's how they start the Johnny B. Bad Diamond Dallas Page feud. Yep. Is. Is is four flat tires and Max Muscle just being an idiot. Oh, man. That was great. Great Saturday night. Oh, another thing. Yeah, like we talked about before, Saturday night has the greatest uh, stage, bro. The door that closes. At one point during the U.S. title match, Brian Pillman, he's healing it up. He's like, he does this thing where he's like, ah, I don't need this match. So he tries to walk out, and then the doors are closed. So he's trying to open it, and he's like, hey, let me in. You know what I mean? I absolutely love that stage dude and when it's it is, like oh god it's awesome it's one of my favorite set designs of absolutely all, time. all right wait this is called the monday night warfare podcast so we have to go back to the war raw versus nitro we both have it scored two nothing right now in the favor of nitro who won this week for you raw or nitro? nitro wow that was quick the WCW, is, dude. Is there bias because no, of no, no. The, the triple? It's not bias. It's not bias. It's objective. It's garbage. <laughs> I have no bias against WWF. I'm not going in here saying you know I want WCW or WWF. No, forget about all of that. This is based on what I saw. The pay per view, 
BS, raw BS. I hated it. The tag title match was good, and I love the smoking guns, but, uh, you know, seeing them all sudged up, I'm not sure about that, dude. <laughs> Soapy Wet Cowboys didn't do yep. it for you? Yep. I'm gonna I don't know. Get, I'm gonna That's get, a hashtag right there. I'm going to get that over. <laughs> yep. I would, I would not hashtag Soapy Wet Cowboys. <laughs> well, we're doing it. Uh, yeah. The, war, the winner of the war this week for me, WCW Monday Nitro. All right, Just so a more exciting first, show overall for me. For the first time, we're going to differ. I'm giving the win to Raw, and I'll tell you why. You sick of the tag, the tag team title match was great. Marty, Janetti, mm. and Skip was a fun opener, which yeah. I thought was better than Disco and Alex Wright. I can't disagree. I thought, I thought the middle of Nitro just dragged. Like, Kurosawa and Craig Pittman was, was awful. I think I, I think I liked that more than you did. I think you did. Uh, I thought the two promos were really not big enough to continue the story and take up so mm. much time. Granted, Raw ate up too much time at the end of their show. Yep. But the three matches I thought were better than the four matches that WCW put on. And, and the biggest thing for me was Raw being live had a different feel this week. The crowd was live. They were into it. And it kind of put that extra oomph on some of that stuff Raw had. Mm-hmm. So we'll see where it goes. Raw is up 2-1 in the ratings. Raw is down 3-0 in Wade's rankings. And they're down 2-1 in mine. So clearly we both differ from the television audience in 1995. Yep. But we will see who wins the war next week. Next week it is a triple header of action. I probably shouldn't. If I hear that. triple header again, I'm going <laughs> to kill myself. <laughs> well, how about let's do three hours of excitement as we've got WCW Monday Night Trip and WWF Monday Night Raw from October the second, 1995. Also, ECW Hardcore TV from October the third. Here's what we got on tap next week on Nitro. Hulk Hogan. We're going to return to WCW Nitro live in the arena. We've got Lex Luger against the Macho Man Randy Savage. If Luger leaves, he leaves WCW. This matchup was added on Saturday night. I don't know if you know about this. Next week on Nitro, Ric Flair against Arn Anderson. Whoa. It was not announced on Nitro. It is a rematch from Fall Brawl. Wow. Ric Flair and Arn Anderson. We also have... In addition to Hogan, Luger Savage, Arn Anderson, and Ric Flair, the WCW Tag Team titles are on the line. The American Males defend against the Nasty Boys. And, ready for this one? Oh, I'm it's the ready. Nitro debut of Dean Malenko. Yeah, buddy. And he takes on Eddie Guerrero. Ooh, so Eddie, <laughs> so Eddie won that match then against uh, Juice and Thunder Liger. What are you talking about? Bruh. You're killing me, man. You, do you not pay attention to the shows, bro? Partially. Now, one of the commentators said that Dean Malenko will take on the winner of um, Jushin Thunder Liger and Eddie Guerrero. So, well, I guess we I don't remember that, but I believe well, you. It happened. Regardless, Eddie Guerrero, Dean Malenko, Ric Flair, Art Anderson, the tag team titles, Lex Luger versus Randy Savage, and Hulk Hogan. On one jam-packed episode of Nitro. Yes, sir. On on the other side, on Monday Night Raw, we have the debut of PG-13. That's JC Ice and Wolfie D. I can see the look on your face. Those are the two rappers for the Nation of Domination. Mm. 
They're in tag team action. Gotcha. Hunter Hurst, Hunter Hurst Helmsley against Barry Horowitz. Razor Ramon against the one, two, three kid, and Brett the Hitman Hart against Jean Pierre Lafitte. Two solid lineups. Yeah. Like I'm I'm more excited for Nitro, but it's mm-hmm. not it's not by a big margin. Yeah, this I'm rate. with you. Uh, and then ECW, it is the six man steel cage match from Gangsta's Paradise. This is gonna be the, the, the matchup we've seen a couple weeks ago. It is Mikey Whipwreck and the public enemy against the very oddball tag team of New Jack. The World Television Champion, Tuco Scorpio, and the World Heavyweight Champion, the Sandman. Six men in a cage. I'm psyched. Three big shows next week on the Monday Night Warfare podcast. We're glad you joined us this week. We're glad you let us in your house, even though Wade may never let us back in again. Mm. (laughs) Wade's going to lock the door next week from all the soapy, wet cowboys. Oh, no, I'll let them in. I'm just keeping everybody else out. (laughs) We thank you for joining us. Be sure to like, follow, subscribe, whether you're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Anchor Podcasts, or on YouTube. Share this around and join in, and we'll see you next week on the Monday Night Warfare Podcast.